fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dolph Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Tracy, we are so excited for our upcoming live event in Indianapolis with Tragedy of Cinema and Middle Aged and Creeped Out. Yes, we're looking forward to seeing all of you. I'm Todd. I'm Nate. And I'm Sean. And we are Middle Aged and Creeped Out. We are looking forward to sharing some creepy stories with all of our hometown listeners. I'm Jimbo with the Tragedy of Cinema. And I'm Kyle, also with Tragedy of Cinema. Indy is also our hometown, and we have the perfect horror movie to break down for you guys. Come out and see us on Saturday, July 16th at the VFW on South Lockburn and help veterans at the same time. All three shows are clean, so this is a family-friendly event. Tickets are just $20. Seating is limited, so get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode 309 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we've got uh, a fun show lined up for you tonight. Alrighty, hope so. Obviously, we want to start by thanking all of our military and civil servants of our allied forces all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you so much for everything you do for us on a daily basis. Yes, God bless you guys. Are amazing. We pray for you guys every single day, and thank you for keeping our country safe. Tracy, it's um, it goes without saying, even though we say it every single week. People are struggling, in general, all over the world. It doesn't matter which country you're in. You know somebody who is struggling right now. That's true. Reach out to them. And just ask if they need an ear. Mm-hmm. Ask if they're doing okay. You'd be surprised what a difference that makes. Oh, absolutely. Because just those couple of words, um, it's just enough to know, you know, that people know you care. And that you're there to help them out any way you possibly can. Obviously, you know, we we're, are more than happy to talk to you if you need somebody that you feel like is uh, maybe out of your initial circle that you want to remain a little bit private, uh, but you still want to talk to somebody, we're here. The group is there, 5,500 people strong, just ready to give you encouragement at a moment's notice. Yeah. So we got lots of people you can talk to. And if you'd rather go another way, you can call the hotline number 1-800-273-8255. You can text us 741-741. Give us a call. We're pretty fun to talk to. And the group's really great, too. So always have somebody there for you. So don't ever forget that. Absolutely. So, Tracy, I was at a grocery store a few days ago. And there's four or five of the staff they're at the grocery store listening to the show. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the gentlemen said, Hey, do you remember that show that you did on ghost pets back in March? And I had to think because 
it was actually an episode of Eerie Encounters where it just had everybody's, a bunch of different people's experiences with their pets uh-huh. that they felt like have come back. Anyway, he loved it and suggested that we actually do a regular HHS episode on that particular topic because he likes the storytelling aspect more than the just reading somebody's story. And I get that. So tonight, he's going to get his wish. Oh, well, good. Because we're supposed to go spend some time with some animals today. And we're going to see our buddy, Carrie Kennedy, who is the pet psychic. She's also a human psychic, people, so get your readings. Yeah, very excited. But she's going to be out there, so this kind of goes perfect for what we're going to be doing. Oh, my gosh. You guys should see all the animals she has. Oh, this your heart just is so happy and I'm like, gosh, she's so lucky. Like she's holding like a raccoon and Yeah, it's a it's a it's a place that they take in animals mm-hmm. and they're having a uh, cookout to raise money for their, their little shelter. And uh, so we're gonna go out there for them. Yeah, it's gonna and be fun. She's doing readings and stuff out there for them. Awesome. All right, so I did some digging. Most of these stories are shorter as you would expect. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy them. After we do the stories, we have a very fun talk with Paul Lanner from Haunters Against Hate. Oh, okay. And I just recently found out, I I knew who Paul was by name. I didn't know him personally. Mm -hmm. And I knew the organization because it's been brought up to me a few times. And then lo and behold, Paul actually lives right here in Lexington. (laughs) He's not from here, but he lives here now. No kidding. Yep, so... Um, we had a really cool conversation. He's got a big event coming up in Lexington in a few weeks, and we're going to talk about that and uh, some of the special guests he's got coming out. He does have some cool special guests. And, uh, for example, Tracy didn't know. God love her. But what the very beginning of um, the original Night of the Living Dead, the black and white version, at the very first scene is a brother and sister that are walking around to the cemetery and the, the guy's ribbing his sister. He keeps saying, they're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you. And then you can see a zombie actually walking around, but you don't know at the time it's a zombie. And he keeps messing with her and she keeps like, stop it, stop it. Anyway, he's got those two from the original, from the, I think 69 was, I think, when they oh, came out. Oh, get out of here. But he's got both of them coming and he said that's the this will be the first time they've ever been at, at a convention together in the same room. Well, are you serious yeah. after all these years? But then he's got people coming from Night Round Elm Street. And, oh, uh, awesome. Uh, How fun is that? A bunch of other stuff. Yeah, really cool. And he's going to have goats out there. He's got a, he's got a thing called um, Mimosas with Goats. Oh, you had me at Mimosas with Goats. <laughs> that's all I need to know. All right. So, Tracy, first and foremost, before we get into the stories... Do you believe that pets can visit after they've passed on? I do. I believe they can. Well, some religions believe that animals have no soul. Therefore, that would be impossible for them to be able to come back as a ghost or something like that. How could they have no soul? Well, I think it I think some of that goes back to biblical times to when especially like when you also talk about how uh, some people won't eat pork. Mm-hmm. Because I think God took the demons in the Bible and cast them into the pigs, and I, you know, I'm not up on my Bible history anymore. But I think because He was able to cast them into the pigs, because the pigs didn't have souls, and you know, but that's and that that whole casting of demons into the pigs was why a lot of people, uh, some religions, won't eat pork. Well, I had no clue. That's what why. But I'll be dang. 
but so so a lot of religions don't believe um, that animals have souls. Therefore, they're just here. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that um, animals do have souls. Me too. And like I said, and, and I'm sure Carrie Kennedy obviously feels that way because yeah, because she, she says does, hey, she does readings and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she says hey, you cute dog with that beautiful soul. Right. <laughs> There's also so many sightings of pets that have passed on that you almost have to believe that they're no different than humans as far as that aspect goes. Mm -hmm. Is it so hard to believe that a pet that you had such a strong bond with in life would want to come hang around to help comfort you after its death? I don't think so. I think it would be very nice. Is it hard to believe that Ninja's snoring as loud as he is? No, that's not hard to believe at all. So let's discuss a couple of these sightings. This first one shows that sometimes a beloved pet can be around and everyone know it but you. No way. This is the story of Rex. Rex was a dog that belonged to author Albert Payson Terhune. Now, Albert bred collies, but he was also an author and he wrote several books about collies. Loved them. He was a very successful breeder at his kennel called Sunny Bank Kennels in the early 1900s, and that was in New Jersey. His breeding line was so popular that it still exists today in rough collies. Well, there you go. So, been around. Yeah. Oddly enough, his pride and joy, Rex, was not his prettiest dog by any means. And for that matter, it wasn't even a purebred collie. Ah. Rex was a mixed breed with a very ugly facial scar. I don't know how he got the scar before you ask, because I know that's coming. Oh. So I have no clue how he got it. But this dog was extremely close to Albert. He would curl up at his feet anytime Albert was typing away at his typewriter. Unfortunately, Rex passed away in 1916. Now, Albert was completely devastated by this. Matter of fact, he wrote a book about Rex as a tribute called Lad, a Dog. Very sad. So, do you think Ninja will come back and visit us when he passes? I don't know. Which I hope he never does, but he know he will. But right. Hi, right, Tracy. Here comes the cool part. So one evening back in 1918, Albert had this guest over for dinner. He was a uh, pretty well-known financier in the day by the name of Henry Healy. So right near the end of the night, Henry just kind of sighed and. He looked at Albert and he said, Albert, I wish I had someone or something on this earth that adored me the way that Rex worships you. I've watched him all evening and he's just laid up at your feet the whole time looking up at you like a devotee would look up at his God. Oh my goodness. And that's when Albert explained that Rex had been dead for over a year and a half. Oh. Obvious, that freaked him out. Yeah, obviously Henry was... Surprised, to say the least, shocked more like it. He had not known of Rex's passing until that moment. He reiterated that he had been watching this dog all evening, so he had to still be there. Mm -hmm. And he started looking around again and could no longer see any sign of the dog. How awesome is that? But there's more. Oh. A few weeks later, a priest was visiting Albert's home. 
The priest looked at Albert and said, I thought you only bred collies. Mm-hmm. And Albert said, I do. And the priest looked kind of puzzled and he said, well, what's the deal with the scar on that one dog's face? At that time, Albert looked down and he noticed he had all of his other dogs were kind of sitting around on this rug. Uh-huh. But the spot where Rex usually laid was empty. It's as if... He was laying there. It's as if he was still laying there. Yeah. You just couldn't see, see him. him. But all the other dogs knew he was there because they left Aww, that spot. Oh, very cool. Open. I love Rex. So that's the Rex story. That's so nice. But he never saw the dog. I wonder But everybody how come. else saw the dog. Aw. That makes my heart happy. Now, this story is not your typical pet coming back to visit story, but I thought it was unique. I won't even say cool. I'll say unique. Jim Ferguson. His story goes back to the 1970s. He was living in L.A. for a while. He was visiting from England. and He was staying with some family member. And Jim was riding in a car with his cousin that was driven by his aunt. That's who he was living with. They were about 50 miles from L.A. They were in this green station wagon going along this long straightaway road in the countryside. Well, Jim sees a dog off in the distance. It was far enough away where he, w- he really wasn't worried about it. It was getting ready to left the driveway and was getting ready to cross the road. And he said it really wasn't that far. It was kind of far away at the time, so no big deal. He didn't bother to say anything about it. He figured it'd be gone by across the road by the time their car ever got there. But as they got closer, the dog seemed to be taking way longer than it should have to cross this road. And as the dog got to the center of the road, Jim yelled out to his aunt, watch the dog, watch the dog. And for some strange reason, Jim felt certain that they were going to hit this dog. Yeah, especially if it's in the middle of the road. Right. Now, this was odd because that dog started crossing the road when they were so far away. There's no way that dog should still be mm-hmm. in the road because it's like it didn't stop. It was just like... Moving extra, extra, It was extra like, slow. yeah, slow motion or something. The dog should have had plenty enough time to get out of the street, and it definitely should have had enough time for his aunt to see the dog. But for some reason, his aunt did not see the dog. And with a loud thump, she hit the dog. Oh, no. She realized that she had hit something, but she didn't see what it was. Jim told her that she ran over that dog, even after he warned her not to run over the dog. Oh, so he was mad at her, I bet. I'm sure. And she was like, what dog? I didn't see a dog. So they get out of the car, and the grill of the vehicle had a dent in it. So they hit something. (laughs) On the roadside was what appeared to be a dead dog. Because this seemed so strange, Jim made a mental note of the day and the time of this incident. Tuesday, December 15th, 4.30 p.m. All right, so we're going to fast forward two months. Jim's going back home. He's back in England, and he's picked up at the airport by his parents. On the way home, Jim notices that his parents are unusually quiet, almost as if they're avoiding telling him something. They eventually broke the bad news that his dog had died while he was in the States. They were shocked that Jim didn't really seem surprised. So Jim tells them the day and the time 
that his dog had died, which completely shocked his family, but he was just stating at the time the accident that they saw. So his family's like, how could you possibly know that? And he just said that he saw a dog cross a road that day, and as it was crossing a road, he had a thought of his dog. Mm -hmm. And then he remembered that it was at 4.30 that day, in the States, so he added the time difference of what time it would have been in England, and it turned out to be the exact same time that the vet was putting his dog down. That is crazy. Jim wondered if this was just a coincidence, or had his dog wanted somehow to say goodbye. So, Jim wondered if the dog in the United States was actually a dog at all, even though he saw it laying in the road after the fact. Well, I think it was him trying to say goodbye because, I mean, how weird would that be for something like that at the very same time, the very same day? And probably the reason he was going so slow is because he wanted to make sure he was there when the, you know what I'm saying, when the car got to him so he could tell it. I get that. Wouldn't it make more sense, though, for the for the dog's spirit to just like... Appear. Appear rather than pop into a dog that's getting ready to get hit by a car. No, you're right. That would make more sense. Because, hmm. I mean, also, how could... It, if that was a real dog, how could this dog's spirit somehow pop into this dog? It's already got a spirit, so would it be like it was possessing it? Yeah. Well, that'd know. be kind of bad luck. Yeah. Here, let me possess this dog. Bam! <laughs> So, I don't know. It's kind of odd. That's crazy. That's a that's a cool story, though. All right. So, we did two dog stories. You want to hear a cat story? Meow. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> In 1997, Michael Cromwell had to have his 14-year-old cat, Yow, put to sleep. Oh, the cat's name was Meow? His cat's name was Yow. Oh, Yow. I thought you said Meow. <laughs> no. I'm like, okay, well, that's original. This was June 5th, and this was in Israel. The cat had been diagnosed with cancer a few months earlier, and uh, unfortunately, his health deteriorated very quickly. Oh, poor baby. So Michael felt the humane thing to do was to have the cat put to sleep. Michael was so sad about this tough decision. He found Yao on the side of the road in 1983. It was just a kitten, and it was about four or five weeks old. He immediately fell in love with the cat's colors and marking Mm -hmm. and took it home. From the very beginning, this kitten was very verbal. He would meow every time Michael would look at her. Oh. Every time. When he called her name, she would immediately come running for wherever she was at. Doing whatever she was doing, she would stop and run every time he called her name. Now, what's odd about this is as social as this cat was, she would only allow you to pick her up on her terms. Mm-hmm. So she still didn't like to be picked up. Yeah. She also liked to get under Michael's feet. Whenever he would be walking, this cat would literally go in between and out of his legs. So uh-huh. when he'd take a step, it's out, you know, in between yeah. the two. And it would constantly do that. And sometimes it would cause him to trip or almost trip. So he was kind of used to this. It was the only cat he had that did this. He's had, had more than one cat, but that was the only one that did this. He had more than one cat at the same time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, at the same time. I'm sorry. Michael had never lost a pet before, 
and he cried all the way to the vet. Oh, and I would all have the too. Way home. Yes. He proceeded to be depressed over the next several days. He would do various things to try to keep his mind off stuff, and like cleaning up the house. That was his little new form of therapy, he said. On one of these occasions, he had just got through vacuuming. He was walking from the living room to the kitchen when he felt something between his legs, and he almost fell over. He did have other cats in the house, like we said, so he expected to look down and see one of them, but there was no animal around him. And this felt so real that he knows something was there. Well, like I said, when he glanced down, no cats of any kind. He felt like it was Yao coming back to let him know that, hey, I'm okay, and I'm still around. He said it was eerie and joyful at the same time. Now, on Sunday, September 21st, he was laying down. It was just before dawn. He was half asleep, half awake. You know how that goes. Yeah. He looked toward his bedroom door, which he usually kept shut during the nighttime while he was sleeping, and he wondered why it was open. In the midst of him pondering this, he felt something jump up on the bed and start walking towards him. Oh, how cool. He looked down, and it was Yao <gasps> walking right towards him. He was able to actually cuddle and pet him. Yay. He was able to just stick his little nose into his fur. He said she was soft and warm and felt very real. He was elated and hoped that Hopefully, there's other pets can do that in the future when they move on. That's so cool. And he's never seen Yao since then. Oh, no kidding. That was, was a just one, that one, that was a one thing. Oh, I love that. 1984. Young lady by the name of Belinda Child. She had a strange encounter. It's in October of that year, her orange and white cat had passed away. She buried it in her backyard. About a month later, it was November. She's standing in the yard. It's very cold. It's very misty outside, a little foggy. She noticed a small shape through the fog walking down the path towards her. Now, she could see that it was her cat walking from the spot where it was buried. It walked right up to her feet, and after a few minutes, it turned and walked back towards its grave. That's amazing. She said she never saw it again, but she was convinced that it was her cat. And none of the neighbors had a cat that looked anything like hers. So she feels like that this was her cat's way of saying goodbye. Aww. All right, let's do one more. This story takes place in the 1950s in South England. Elizabeth was a young girl with a puppy. Three years old to be exact. Hmm, sweet. I'm sorry, four years old. He was a golden cocker spaniel. And she absolutely adored this dog. Its name was Laddie. Cocker spaniels are beautiful. Yeah, and this was a golden one too. Nice, yeah. There was an extreme love with these two as they grew up together. Nice bond, okay? When Elizabeth started going to school, Laddie would always meet her at the same spot when she got home every day. This was away from the house, out uh, 
in front of the gate. Mm-hmm. But she would always, the dog would always meet her out there when, at the same time every day. <laughs> Does she we, go to school or something? Yeah, so when she started oh, going to school. when she's going to school? Yeah, it's when she was coming back from school. When Elizabeth was 11 and Laddie was 7, Laddie became very sick and had to be put to sleep. Oh, no. But a short time later, when Elizabeth would start arriving home from school, she started to see a shadow of her dog right in the spot that Laddie would always meet her. (laughs) His shadow would then follow her up to the gate of her house and then disappear. Elizabeth chose not to tell her family about any of this. I don't know why, but she just didn't. So she kept having this situation happen. Laddie's shadow continued to meet her every day and walk her from the point of her getting back from school all the way up through the gate with her. How lucky is that? As winter started coming on, of course, it starts getting darker earlier. Earlier, uh-huh. Elizabeth's dad offered to come walk her home in the afternoons. Elizabeth told her father that there would be no need for that because Laddie would be meeting her at the same spot that they always did. She was expecting her father to be kind of shocked or curious or whatever the situation, whatever his response might be, but he replied with, oh, so you've been seeing him as well. Dang! It seems that Elizabeth was not the only one in her family keeping a secret. Yay! So anyways, that's my little stories that we've got on I love that. Pets visiting. Very, very nice. I'll share a quick one with you. I don't have this one written down, uh, but I thought it was a cool story. Not really about pets visiting, but mm, helping out, we'll say. So this story goes back to England. There was, there was a gentleman on a motorcycle. This was back in the 1970s. He's driving his motorcycle. He's got a taillight out. And um, it's about 3.30 in the morning. He's tired. And as he's rolling along this back road to not, to not get hit since he's got a taillight out. That's why he's, so he took a back road. Mm-hmm. As he's going along, he runs out of gas. Oh, crap. He determines from where he's at, he is going to have to walk about five miles to get gas. Well, that's a bummer. Right. So he says, okay, I'll... I'll go five miles. I'll get the gas. I'll take a taxi back. And then I'll fill up and be on my way. Now, I told you he's tired. He's standing there at his bike that's not going anywhere. Apparently, he dozes off. So he's awakened by a dog growling at him. He looks up. It's this big black dog. He said it's got these unique like eyes that are like glowing in the dark. And he said a dog just starts growling, and initially he's scared. He's like, well, yeah, oh, that, crap. That would scare the bejesus out and of him. And he says he stares at the dog. It seems like they keep staring at each other. And eventually he thinks that, you know what? I think this dog's okay. I don't think it's going to attack me. So he takes off walking down the road to get his gas, and this dog follows him for about the first mile. Keeps looking back, and there's the dog. There's the dog. And then it just disappears. He gets his gas. Taxi brings him back. As he gets back to where his bike is, there is an overturned semi-truck. And sticking out of near the back of the trailer is his bike. No way. The driver of the semi is waving frantically to try to get somebody to come help him get out. But he helps the guy get out. The taxi driver is there, obviously, so he gets help and everything. But 
had that dog not waken him up, he would have been under that. He would have been under that mess oh, and probably killed when that truck crashed. So he said he owes whatever that dog was was some kind of type of a guardian angel or something. Because, Aww. but and he said, he said, "Can I pet that dog? <laughs> nope, Can I, I pet that dog?" <laughs> 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 Anyways, so I thought that was a little fun story to kind of add. And like I said, that's I didn't write really, it down. That's I so amazing that that stuff happens. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. It was a fun cool. episode. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that it was suggested. Yeah, me too. All right, Tracy, so we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and then we're going to come back, and we'll talk about uh, a few of the live events, Patreon and stuff. And then obviously, we've got this... Uh, Nice little fun chat with Paul Lanner from Haunters Against Hate. We'll find out about his event going on and uh, have some fun. Yeah, it sounds great. All right, Tracy. So we are three weeks away from the Indianapolis event. Yes, I'm excited. One of the things that uh, uh, we're going to try to do, obviously, is just have a lot of fun. It's going to be a completely clean show. It's going to be a family-friendly show. So come on out. Bring the kitties as long as they can be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want like two-year-olds out there screaming and stuff. It is what it is, though. You got to do what you got to do. But no, come on out. It's going to be fun. Obviously, our buddies from Middle Ages and Creeped Out and uh, Tragedy of Cinema are both going to be there. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's yeah. going to be super fun. We hadn't been to Indy in a couple of years. No, it will be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. One of the things we will have there is our new Tracy's Punch in the Face Peach Cobbler. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do have available on the website if you're interested. But the cheapest way to get it always, or along with anything else we offer, is going to be at these events. So if you get a chance to come out to the event, that's the good place to, to purchase. It. Yeah. So. And I thank you if you do. And a month later, coming up August 20th. Are you ready? I'm ready, Freddie. Our sixth birthday party with Cereal Spirits at... The old hospital on College Hill. Yeah. How exciting will that be? And I think they're, they're trying to work out something to do an actual investigation that night. Your ticket to that actually gets you a tour as well as the live event from us and Serial Spirits. But I think the, that um, Annie Weeble and uh, Laura Rowland from Gatekeeper Paranormal, who you guys know from Bobby Mackey's, I think they're trying to set up. A tour that night that some of you may be able to go on. Not a tour, a uh, investigation. Oh, an investigation. Some of you may be able to go on uh, if, once they get it all set up. They'll know how many tickets available. There won't be a lot of room. Maybe mm-hmm. eight or ten people. And there are going to be four of them. So there might be room for about four more people to go. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you know as soon as I know details on that. I'll probably know that by the end of next week. Sounds fun. All right, Tracy. What do you got going on over there? Well, I'm cold. What do you got going on that's important? Oh. Well, our iTunes this week is Go Jimmer, Kay Cummins, Mojo Lobster, Jason B007. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your kind reviews. And we mean a lot to us. And we appreciate that you take the time out of your day to do that. So thank you. And hopefully we'll see some more. And that's about all I got. Yeah, it was a slower week on Patreon. So we didn't have any names to read out this week. No, we didn't. And that's okay. Got to take a break, man. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's listen to Paul Lanner. Let's listen to Paul. Hey guys, I'm excited to bring uh, with you. I'm going to say a fellow Lexingtonian, even though you're not originally from here, you live here now. I've got Paul Lanner. Paul, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's really a pleasure. 
So, Paul, I want to talk about you've got a big event coming up in Lexington in a couple of weeks, July 8th, 9th and 10th. It's a horror convention with some other stuff tied in. And it's all for your organization, Haunters Against Hate. And I want you to explain to me and all the listeners out there what exactly the organization is and what it does. Hunters Against State was formed uh, after the Orlando Pulse Massacre six years ago now. And um, some really hateful speech was made in the haunt industry about that situation, which uh, caused Hunters Against State to be formed. It was a band of haunts that got together and banned these people from coming to the event, their, their haunts, their their events and stuff like that. And I, they contacted me to create the name, the logo, the tagline. And I did. And I said, I'm going to run with this. And I created what is now an officially a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. And with sales from merchandise, my book of haunters that I've created, haunters against hate nights that I go to, all the profits are donated to LGBT youth organizations across the United States. So, and to date, I've raised over 50,000 for that, which is fantastic. That's phenomenal. So how long have you been in the haunt industry yourself? Nine years. Uh, before that, I was a haunter. I, I, I did haunting at a place called Nightmare and Edgewood in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I also did advertising design for them along with some other haunts in Indiana. I've done some design work for a haunted hotel. I've done some design work for American Horrorplex or 7th Street Haunt but it was known as at the time stuff like Fear Fair and Seymour, Indiana. So that's, I've been nine, almost 10 years now. Nice. We spent some time uh, last year at uh, American Horrorplex. They invited us out for their media night and we had a, a fun night out there. Matter of fact, there was, um, I can't think of their name. I'm like the worst interviewer ever, apparently, but <laughs> no, there was a, there was a group out there that they do. Uh, they bring in animals. So they had like goats and stuff like that. Do you know the name? Butterfly Valley Rescue. Yes. And we spent so much time out there. And then we actually found out that we had a connection because, uh, you know, but I, I won't get into the connection we have. But we we actually had a connection that we would have had no clue that t- actually tied us together. And uh, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, they they take these animals in and and uh, they rescue them. And they had a little like a goat that only had three legs out there. But, yeah, I mean, I spent I'm an animal freak. So I literally spent half my time at the haunt out there with them animals. <laughs> They're going to be at my event. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> they are coming to my event and I am, I'm at the Saturday morning and Sunday morning. I'm offering something called goat Moses where you can have mimosas and interact with the goats and pigs. Well, that's it's a new one. It's a separate ticket. And uh, after you deduct, say the cost of the mimosa, the balance of that ticket I'm donating to them so they can help with their goats and pigs and stuff like that. So, well, I- uh, I want to get into the event. First of all, we covered again. It's July 8th, 9th, and 10th. It's in Lexington, Kentucky at the Clarion Conference Center. And for those of you listening who came out to see uh, Tracy and myself at uh, CryptidCon, it's at the same location. So you'll, uh, you'll you'll know that place. And, and there'll probably be some of the same people that you've seen vendor-wise and stuff will probably be at, at this event. So tell me about some of the the bigger names that you've got coming out to your location. Because one of the ones I'm really excited about with the uh, the uh, night, I mean, not uh, Nightground Elm Street's obviously got a connection there, but the uh, Night of the Living Dead Dead uh, Stars are the ones that uh, I'm excited about. Tell me a little bit about who you got coming. 
Um, well, like you mentioned, I live in Dead. I have Russ Striner and Judith O'Day, who played Barbara and Johnny, the brother and sister, in the beginning of the original Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Both are going to be there. This is the first time they're going to be at a convention together in Kentucky. They've never oh, been wow. So that's pretty exciting. And I have four of the actors from Romero's Day of the Dead coming to it. Uh, Lori Cardill, Jarlett Conroy, um, John Amplis, who also, John Amplis played the father in fa the Father's Day segment of Creep Show. He played the lead character of Martin in Romero's Martin. He's been in a lot of stuff. And then I have Tazo Stavrakis, who has done a lot of special effects stuff with Tom Savini. Um, a little side tidbit about that is Tazo, when in Friday the 13th, when Mrs. Voorhees' head is chopped off and you see her hands going like, like clenched, uh -huh. that's Tazo's hands. <laughs> <laughs> so a little, that, a little trivia there. I have Mark Patton, who was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 coming. Um, Brandon Crane, who played young Ben in the original miniseries of it. Um, Ricky Vitas, who was on Sci-Fi's Face Off, makeup artist, special effects makeup. He's coming back for a second year. He was here last year. And then um, Miko Hughes, who played the young Gage in the original Pet Cemetery, the little kid. He's oh. How does he know? He's, he's got to be what, like in his, his 30s? 30s? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So those are the celebrities coming, which is fantastic. And two of them, I I have a Haunters Against State Award show at my event. Um, so there's a Haunter of the Year where I award to someone in the haunt industry who embodies what Haunters Against Hate stands for and you know, empowering communities, doing community service. And it's going to a 14-year-old boy this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, from the ages of 7 to 11, he created his own little home haunt in the Chicago area and was able to raise $20,000 for charity. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Well-deserving of that award this year. Um, I, will, I also give what's called the Jesse McDonald Award. That, that's named after an actor who passed away two years ago um, suddenly out of the Chicago area. And that is going to Brandon Shirley, who was a haunter at American Horrorplex 7th Street Haunt. He was also a deputy sheriff in Louisville. And was it last year or two years now that he was ambushed and killed? So that was, yeah, that was actually my tie in with the people with the uh, butterfly, okay. because I, I actually am uh, also ordained and I married uh, his brother, Okay. Jake and and his wife Sierra uh, Halloween last Halloween at the in Brandenburg or not Brandenburg at uh, Bardstown okay. right outside of the the old old jailers inn and the cemetery but oh, wow. uh, yeah that that was my tie in is the fact that that you know oh wow see it is a small world but his partner's accepting the award posthumously for him and nice. then two legacy awards which go to actors or celebrities who have been big proponents of Haunters can say to promote it on social media and advertise. And that's going to Brandon Crane, who was the kid in it and Ricky Vitas from sci-fi space off. They're getting the awards. So that's going to be pretty exciting and it's going to be emotional. It was emotional last year as well. Uh, but this one's really going to be emotional, but that's what it's about. That my, that's what the event, my events about It's making everyone feel welcome. It's not your typical Hong Kong. It's 
more like a family orient, not family oriented, I shouldn't say, even though it is, but it's like everyone feels like family. Let's put it that way. Right. Everybody's included. Right. Exactly. So it, it's going to, you'll have fun. You'll have a great time, but it will pull at your emotions as well. And that's what I want. I want everyone to run the gamut of feelings. What other kind of stuff are you going to have at the convention other than the horror stuff? I know you've got a mixture of stuff. You mentioned the goats with mimosas and yes, stuff you I'm got going on. <laughs> I'm having drag show. Okay. I'm having, I'm having a cosplay competition. I'm having a makeup competition. Last year it was create your own version of Cruella DeVille. And this year it's create your own version of the nun. So oh, I'm nice. Calling it, I'm calling it the bad habit competition. <laughs> nice. I'm having I'm having workshops where you can learn makeup tutorial techniques, um, improv acting for the haunts. I'm having karaoke competition, which should be fun. The Rock and Metal Academy of Knoxville, Tennessee, is coming up to host that, so that should be pretty exciting. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the other cool thing is Wicked World Scaregrounds that is based in Nicholasville. They are opening Friday night after my event for special horrors of Hollywood that you can go through the haunt and it's open to the public. And it, but if you get the tickets at my event, it's cheaper and it, there it's a full staffed haunt. So you're going to get scared. You're going to have Freddy Krueger chasing you and Pennywise and all these different characters. So pretty cool. Now you're going to have like the celebrities out there. Are, are, are there, autograph sessions and all that stuff too or is it uh how, yeah, the- I mean, I, it's just go to go to their booths get the autographs photo ops stuff like that i i don't want to do like where you have to like line up in a line to do these professional photo ops it's like in out in out i think that's very impersonal i want everyone to have their time with the celebrities and enjoy and interact with them accordingly oh the other the other fun thing is last year i had this guy and he's coming back this year and he's originally from kentucky he lives in Connecticut now, but he portrays Edgar Allan Poe and he will be performing as Edgar Allan Poe on stage where he tells you the history of Edgar Allan Poe, does a reading of an Edgar Allan Poe uh, story or poem, and then you can meet and greet with him afterwards. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, he's, he's awesome. Amazing. And maybe you can tell us how he actually died (laughs) and solve that problem. (laughs) Hey, yeah, I think someone should ask him that. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can just say, I'm not dead. I'm, this is really, I'm really. Edgar yeah. Allan Poe. Right. <laughs> so it's, I, I just try and keep the whole thing interactive with all these different, like out of the ordinary things going on that you would not expect at a horror event or convention. You know, you don't get drag shows all the time. You don't get a nun makeup competition, you know, and you certainly don't get goats and pigs. No, not unless, not unless there's yoga involved. And I'd prefer that not be the case. <laughs> The, the funny thing is about people are so excited about the goats. It's blowing my mind. Even the celebrities are like, oh, we're just going to sit in the, and play with the goats. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. My my sister-in-law got a goat like two days ago. I literally posted a video of me out. And it, it, as soon as you walk away, it starts crying. And it sounds just like a person when it's crying. And then until you walk up on it, and I was like, I couldn't wait to go over there and say I'm a goat freak. So I mean, I, I understand oh where they're coming God. from. <laughs> it's it's I'm excited because I, you know, there's possibly maybe that's where we met because I was at Media Night as well at American Horror Plex. It, it's a very good chance that's what it was. 
very possible that I was right there with you with the goats because that's where I spent most of my time. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get back to the event before we get off here and tell people how they can get tickets and uh, all the good stuff about that. Let's talk a little more about you. You obviously are a, a, a horror movie you know, freak horror in general. You've showed me a bunch of your tattoos that you've got from, you know, on, on one of your arms is nothing but uh, but Hollywood horror tattoos and stuff like that. What got you into horror? Did this start at an early age? Are you a paranormal fan at all, or is it strictly more on the horror movie side? Um, no, I as a kid, I mean, growing up in New York, I would watch creature features and chiller theater as a kid, and you know, I was riveted by the Bella Lugosi and. Boris Karlov, black and white, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman and all this stuff. So I've always loved horror since I've been a little kid. I had, they, I, I don't remember the company, Aurora Models, that used to put out these different creatures. And you, yes, my dad would make them for me when I was a kid. I mean, always, always loved horror and science fiction. I, I was glued to the TV with Land of the Giants and Lost in Space and stuff like just always, always a fan. Um, and I've just carried it through. I mean, I've, I've always, it's always been my favorite genre and my regular job, I work in the film industry. So I, even though I can't specifically request what to work on, I prefer working on horror, but um, I, I get, I've gotten to design some really cool packages for horror movies and stuff through the years. So it's pretty cool. Paranormal, I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I haven't done a lot of it. I, last month was the first time I did a full-on overnight investigation at Waverly Hills, which I found oh, cool. interesting. Yeah, it was it was an 8, 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. event, and it was private. There were only 10 of us in the entire building. So I found it quite fascinating. It's like I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would be asleep by 12. That's typically the way I run. Uh, at, <laughs> point i'd say maybe two i clocked out and went on the couch in the office area i was like okay i i'm tired I, I like paranormal investigating in small chunks. I can't do it overnight. We we spent the night at the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas, and by eleven o'clock, I was in bed. Literally, I was just laying there in bed. Let's go to bed. If something happens, they can wake me up. But I just can't do it, man. I, I'm not young anymore, and I can't stay up all night long. I get it. I do. They they have a video of me laying on the couch with a hoodie over my head, snoring. I'm like, thank you. That's really kind. <laughs> So but, tell me, t- tell me some of your coolest haunt stories. So I know you've probably, you've probably got some of, of this happened that just I wouldn't expect it, or this is this is a funny story, or this kind of freaked me out. I'm sure you've got some stories with all the years you've been in it. Uh, so I I used to scare and do the advertising stuff for Nightmare in Edgewood in Indianapolis, and I suggested them an idea for a section of the haunt and they actually built it, uh, which had real, it was about real phobias. So we had a real snake room, real spiders. And I worked in the snake room and this is a haunt where we could touch you. So we had the snakes in cages with snakeskin hanging and everything. And it was very dark, but I was underneath the cages where people couldn't see me. And I had black gloves on. And as people started walking through, I would grab their leg like a snake. So I had 
two people pee on me. <laughs> by accident or on purpose? By accident. Trust me, by accident. <laughs> that's got to be pretty pre-planned to do that on purpose. <laughs> I had another woman come through with her two kids who were like eight years old. And I grabbed her leg and I hear a bottle drop out and a bottle of wine shattered on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, guys, nice. you have your kids going through and you have a bottle of wine. <laughs> you know? But my other favorite part is uh, when you first walked in, we created this bug hallway. And bugs are my biggest phobia. I can't stand bugs. They, <laughs> and it was a very narrow hallway. And we were going to use real Madagascar hissing cockroaches. And at the last minute, we decided we better not just kiss if they get out and they, you know, it's like. But what I did is I put fake cockroaches along both walls. It was very darkly lit. But every night before the haunt would open, I would go in there and sprinkle uncooked rigatoni on the ground so that when people started walking, you would get that crunch. That's genius. You could hear people screaming from outside when that first crunch hit. Yeah, because they couldn't see it was rigatoni was too dark down on the floor. So, So all they were getting was that crunching sound and that feel of the crunch. I was like that. Yeah. Amazing stories there. But yeah, the way the way people freaked out over over the snakes was cracking me up. I mean, you have people would walk in and like against the wall, like frozen solid. I'm like, really? Snakes? (laughs) But people people have an exorbitant fear of snakes. And one night I, I had stepped out for a minute and there was another guy at the end of the hallway. And I came back and I'm looking. I'm like, where's the snake? There's one snake missing and it had gotten out. <laughs> we had to shut down that section and we found it up near the ceiling. It was about two inches from people's heads as they were walking past. Oh, man. I said, oh, my God, could you imagine if that thing would have dropped on someone? <laughs> but that that was really a highlight for me doing stuff like that. I also I, I was generally a cue line actor. So I, I was, I would sneak up behind people with a shovel and scrape it along granite behind them. And that would send them over the edge and screaming, you know, just that, that metal against granite sound, especially when you're not expecting it. Pretty amazing. Isn't it amazing? Speaking of being like a, a, a Q actor like that, isn't it amazing what a chainsaw does to a crowd now, ever since the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, because that probably, if that movie didn't exist, you could probably walk up with people with chainsaws and they'd be like, what the hell is this guy getting ready to cut out a tree? Or it wouldn't even scare them. No, you're absolutely right. It's amazing how that film changed chainsaws into this weapon of mass destruction. It's so true. And th- my other favorites is... um when I lived in LA, I lived in LA for 17 years and I lived in Vegas for seven years. And um, I used to go to Not Scary Farm in Buena Park, California. That was my tradition to go the first night it opened. I went for 22 years in a row. And the first year I went, I didn't know what to expect. I, it's something I had never been to. And I went with two of my friends and we go into this haunted house and we're walking down this hallway <laughs> And we get to the end of the hallway where you say, make a left. But the wall at the end of the hallway was actually a two-way mirror window, whatever. So it lit up and this monster came flying into the window, which sent me flying backwards. And because everyone was so stacked behind me, we all went down like dominoes. (laughs) 
So you have like 10 people laying in a hallway. I said, I can't even imagine what that actor, how that actor must have been laughing at that. But that, that startled me. And after we all got up and brushed ourselves off, I thought that was just, I'm like, that's brilliant. That's genius. But I always loved Not Scary Farm. It was just a lot of fun. You know, that big amusement park where you could do the roller coasters and stuff like that and then do the haunted mm-hmm. houses. It's fun. You know, you mentioned uh, the, the haunt up in Indianapolis in the room where you could touch people and stuff. It brings up, I would say, probably some controversy in the hunt industry. Uh, we had Russ McCamey on about was, three years ago. I know. But I, I always have to ask people, I don't talk to a lot of people in the hunt industry, at least not on the show. And so what are your thoughts? And I'm not going to say Russ particularly, because you may not want to uh, uh, throw somebody under the bus, but what are your thoughts on the type of haunted houses that some people say are less haunt, more legal torture because they sign a waiver. What's your thoughts on just that whole thing, whether it be Russ or anybody else doing that type of a hunt? Here's my attitude with that. I don't, I, for me, I don't consider them haunted attractions at that point. I, I, what are, they're more like endurance tests to me. It's like, they're, they're nothing really related to the haunt industry. If you have haunts that can touch, like where I worked at, there's still rules and regulations you have to follow, even though you're touching someone, you know, it's like you can't inappropriately grope someone or you can't do something that's really going to injure someone. It's, it's, you can't, you know, all you're doing really is just breaking that fourth wall. So people, you know, you can take someone by the shoulders and move them aside or separate people and stuff like that. But when you're talking about that extreme torture and signing waivers, mm, I just, I don't find that, scary it's it's unpleasant it becomes unpleasant to be at that point so that's what i always felt about the, the tv show fear factor i'm yes. like i've got fears what's that got to do with me eating raw pig intestines i right. mean that's not a fear that's just disgusting unpleasant. exactly and it's like you know i i guess maybe for some people it is a test of their will or their endurance and they want to do it but i don't find anything enjoyable i what's enjoyable about that you know, you go to a haunt to get scared, but that's part of, that's the enjoyment. That's your adrenaline. You know, if someone's holding you down, threatening to pull your teeth out. What? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. It's like, at least give me Novocaine, you know, so. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, right, no, it's a whole different realm to me. Now, you, it's like taking horror movies. Now you're going. Those are like the torture porn movies. Now we're going into like the saw area and stuff like that. Right. It's like, mm -mm, it's a whole different. Okay. So now since you brought it up, you're a horror movie fan and you go way back to classic stuff. We were talking about the TV show Night Stalker earlier, which was what you said was your favorite, you know, and and I was more of a um, Twilight Zone and and, uh, Night Gallery fan, but I liked I liked Night Stalker. Cool. I can always remember that one scene where he's riding and there's a motorcycle behind him and it's uh, just a skeleton when it turns. I don't know why that scene just stands out to me, but, you know, I love those things. So what do you think of horror movie strictly like uh, Dracula type movies, Frankenstein type movies? And then you move into the slasher, the Friday, the 13th, the Halloween what do you do? You, is there a 
clear divide between the two or do you do you lump them all as horror or is there definitely a difference to you? No, I I, I mean, they're all horror. I mean, it's all the same genre, I guess. But, you know, then like anything, it has subcategories, really, when you think about it. I mean, you're looking at the classics. So those are your classic monster movies. You know, then you go into, say, the satanic movies from the 60s and early 70s, like The Exorcist, like The Omen, Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby, Baby, which is my favorite film of all time. So and then, you know, you go into or you look at the 50s where they had the atomic monsters like them and, you know, the giant scorpions and, you know, the giant atomic monsters. So it all starts breaking down into genres in late 70s. Then you started with the slasher movies, which Halloween started, you know, and then Friday 13th. And then it just went crazy from there. Um, you go into the 90s with like the teen, like Scream. And Scream, yeah. Urban Legend and Final Destination films. And, and then they went into for a while with Saw with the torture porn films, which got a foothold for a while. And that, that to me started the sub, another subdivision in France of French extreme horror, where you were looking at like high tension, martyrs, uh, frontiers with uh, even other horror films like a serving. High, high tension, buddy. That's one not for the faint of heart. I can tell you no, that. No, it's not. No, it's not. And there's another film, French film called Inside, which I think is a really, really good film. The whole thing takes place in the house. Nothing. It's the whole thing takes place in the house, but it is possibly one of the goriest films I've ever seen in my life. Um, and you're thinking, wait, so it's going to take place in the house. How gory can this really get? You'd be surprised how gory it can really get. <laughs> you know, and, and so you go into this extreme, extreme horror, and now you're looking at you know with Ari Aster and. Um, Robert Eggers, Roger Eggers, Robert Eggers, like The Witch and Midsummer and Hereditary. So you're getting these more like artistic, cerebral mm-hmm. horror movies that have been coming out. So it's it's just this path that it follows along the way. You don't know what's going to come next. And and if you notice, like vampires never really go away. There's always a vampire movie coming out. It's always, always, you know. Frankenstein probably not, but there's been Wolfman or Wolf films, you know, The Howling and Wolfen and American Werewolf in London. Yeah, they had a little stretch because that's Hollywood. You have one come out with, you know, American Werewolf in London came out. And the next thing you know, there was, the you know, The Howling and all the other ones are going to follow suit. I mean, it's just the way it was until it runs its course. Right, right. And then then look at how on TV all of a sudden now we have American Horror Story, which is a huge thing. So you know, Stranger Things. Yeah, you know, so American you- Horror Story. That's 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 mine right there. So I was just reading the other day about how they're starting to put everything together and probably going to be out, and they haven't put a date, but it's probably going to be September or August, late August or September because that's when the other ones come out. And right. so yeah, it's the, the excitement levels are already getting there. I didn't. I loved it. I wasn't really sure what I thought of this last one being split in two, uh, and I think COVID had a lot to do with why that was done that way. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of strange. I, I liked, I liked the Macaulay Culkin side. I liked that that whole vampire kind of thing. I didn't care much for the alien one. It was okay, but I don't know. It's but, good they told that story because that's the rumor that's always been out there, mm-hmm. you know. But somebody had to tell it, I guess. 
And look how popular Haunting of Hill House was on Netflix and Midnight Mass and Haunting of Bly Manor. So I still haven't seen Midnight Mash yet. That's on my list. Everybody, I've got mixed reviews on it. I've got some people say it's completely awesome. I got other people say it's kind of weird. So I don't know, but I, I I don't, I'm okay it. with weird. I haven't seen it, so I can't say. And now, now I don't know if you know, but they're remaking or they're doing a remake now of The Exorcist. I've heard that they're doing like a trilogy that's got uh, Ellen Burstyn's going to be recurring her role, but it's not really going to be a retelling of the story. I was not okay with that because I'm like, that's just wasting money. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it's just going to be something that's connected somehow, I'm okay with that. Cause you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a retake because some of the, you know, exorcist three was okay. It's kind that's of weird. One of the best jump scares ever in a, in yes. history though. <laughs> I saw, so, I saw exorcist three, the weekend it opened in LA and that one scene in Exorcist 3, the entire audience collectively went out of their seats and down. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, like I said, the, you know, two and three weren't very good sequels, but it had its moments. I like three better than I did two, but it yeah, is what well, it is. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. 100%. <laughs> All right, we're speaking with uh, Paul Lanner. He is with Haunters Against Hate. Has a huge event coming up July 8th, 9th, and 10th, Lexington, Kentucky, at the Clarion Conference Center. Paul, how can people learn more about Haunters Against Hate? How can they learn more about the actual event? And I want you to touch on if they want to, let's say they can't come to the event, but they still want to help out uh, Haunters Against Hate, what can they do? Well, there's two websites. There's HauntersAgainstHate.com. And there you can read about the organization. You can read about the um, organizations, the youth organizations Hunters Can Say just donated to. You can see the members, the 2022 members who have signed up. And just all the information about Hunters Against Hate. You can make a donation on the main page if you want to, which is tax deductible because we are 501c3. Um, so that that's the core website. If you want to find out about the event, I mean, you can go to HauntersCanStake.com, but there's also another dedicated site called HAHTheEvent.com. And there you can find about the guests, the events, the scheduling going on, the workshops, et cetera, et cetera. And you can buy tickets and hotel rooms right from that website. And if you get tickets before the event, you'll save $5 off if you order before the event and order on the website, go through Eventbrite. So that'll save you a little money. Awesome. And those are the two best. And what, what I like about the event, and we obviously, Tracy and myself, we go to all these horror events that are anywhere in the tri-state area. What I do like about this one, as opposed to the others, and it's not a knock against the others, but you know, they're, they're doing it for a profit. Hopefully they pay their expenses and get a profit. You guys, after you pay the expenses, all profits go towards the charity. So you, when you come out, you're not only getting to see some celebrities and some cool vendors and, and everything else that a convention has to offer, but you're also helping out a good cause. Correct. And this year, the profits will be going to two organizations. The first one is Dreams of Hope, which is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which helps LGBT youth kids in the arts. And I chose that because a lot of my actors who are coming to the event are from Pittsburgh. Oh, cool. Night of Living Dead People, The Day of the Dead People, the Romero Connection. So I want to do something 
to help Pittsburgh area with that because these these people have been so wonderful come to my event to show support for Hunters Against Hate. So I wanted to give back to their community as well. And the other one is called Just Us at the Oasis Center, which is in Nashville, Tennessee. And I've helped them out before and I've gotten to know them and they are a wonderful organization helping kids down in the Tennessee area and with all kinds of things, uh, you know, kids who feel left out, who have somewhere to go and get counseling and feel welcome. And the vice president, I've gotten to know quite a bit, and she's such a wonderful woman. She even wrote the introduction for one of my books. That's how that's how nice she is. So I want to give nice. some more stuff too. So those are the two organizations this year. You know, I had a, I had a protect trans kid shirt that I I only have a few left. But profits from that shirt, I donated to two organizations, one based out of Florida in Orlando, Orlando Youth Alliance, and another one called Youth Outlook in Austin, Texas, because both Florida and Texas have been dealing with a lot of stuff when it comes to the LGBT community and backlash from the governments down there. So I wanted to help those organizations out as best I could. Fantastic. Paul Lanner, Haunters Against Hate. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I'm going to post links to uh, all these sites that we just talked about on our on my personal page and on the group and in our Hibbley Horror Stories page. So uh, it should be uh, anybody who's hearing this will have access if they forgot where to find it or whatever. There'll be links and uh, I'll wait till it gets uh, this. The show's posted and then post it that way. It's fresh in everybody's mind. I really appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. I and like I said, it's all for good, and there's not enough good going on in the world right now. So let's just try and do some more good. That's all. Amen. So Thank Thanks, you. Paul. I appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. All right, guys. That wraps it up for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, we hope you did, and we hope that you guys have a very blessed week. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We appreciate you all so much. And if you want to get tickets to the event uh, that Paul's having in a couple weeks here in Lexington, go to our our facebook pages and uh, i'm going to post the links to it on my personal page on the uh, hillbilly horror story fan page and on the group page so you'll find it somewhere yay we love you all so much